Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Get ready to get your mind blown. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Is it scary? Because I'm frightened by that. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. This is Fully Dangerous. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Yeah, all right, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about school projects, if you must. And we must. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, you must. This is going to be shoebox book reports. This is going to be science fair. We're going to get a little Pinewood Derby. I I can't speak to Pinewood Derby, but I know you can. Not technically a school project, but in the same general family. Well, yeah, we're talking about all those projects that your kids come home with that they're supposed to do on their own and they absolutely can't do on their own and it ends up with uh, tears and anger and yelling and and, and, and yeah. you getting really, really overinvested in their school project. That sounds pretty familiar. And let me tell you, the Pinewood Derby is in like two weeks. And do you think we've started our Pinewood Derby cars, Amy? Uh, no, I think you haven't. No, I no, was, we haven't. I was just thinking, like, this is as good a time as any. Why don't you tell us? Uh, I'm going to interview you. Oh, so tell us about a Pinewood Derby and what that involves for those of us who don't know what you're talking about. The Pinewood Derby is a Boy Scout event that happens every year, every year. And you are given by the Boy Scout organization a block of wood in the shape of a rectangle. Okay, standard That's issue, 3D. like balsa wood or something. Balsa wood 3D rectangle. Okay. And some like it, two axles and four wheels. So, and and it's marked where the wheels are supposed to go. And so you are, your child is tasked with creating a functioning aerodynamic car that is then placed on a ramp against other cars in, in a series of heats. And so whosoever car crosses the finish line first wins that heat. So you're dealing with like weight, aerodynamics, you know, the whole spectrum of construction that most five-year-olds don't have a great, great grasp on. Ostensibly, it sounds like you could put on the axles on the wheels where they show them to and just send the block of wood down the ramp. I mean, if you want your kid to have no friends and no self-esteem, you, you could do that. Well, that's the problem. Like the first year we were like, you can make your cars look cool. And then they lost every heat the entire day. And it was just a cavalcade of tears and horror. And so then 
And of course, I was like, I don't want my husband to help. It's supposed to be for the kids, you know? My husband, job title, engineer. And so the second year, I was like, oh, forget that plan. Like, uh, get your engineering hat on and help these kids figure out how to make a car. But I mean, you always go to the Pinewood Derby and there are cars that look like scale models of like the Batmobile and stuff. And you're like, wait, no 10-year-old even touched that car. I think the dads take them down to their wood shops and just go to town. And it sounds like it's immediately 1955 that it has to be the dads do it with the kids. I mean, is it supposed to be a father-son thing or is it just sort of assumed that only dads know how to carve wood? I mean, I don't think it's assumed that only dads know how to (laughs) carve wood, but like I, I mean, maybe I'm just a walking gender stereotype, but like (laughs) if you handed me that car, I wouldn't even get the wheels attached. Like I would have no idea. I mean- yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some moms who are good at it, but I, I don't happen to be one of those moms. It does. It is sort of like, yeah, like football, like one of those things, like just doesn't like wake my brain up. Right. Not really just not excited about a block of wood. Yeah, I, I have. My husband and I are very like left brain, right brain. What do you call it? You know, we have opposite brain sides functioning well. And whatever the Pinewood Derby car side of the brain is, I, I'm the other side of the brain. I just remember we had we learned about that study about boy toys. There was a study where boy monkeys preferred toys with wheels over toys that didn't. And it's just well, sort of my, like my a boy, boy monkeys. <laughs> my boy monkeys are the same. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, this so so it happens with the Pinewood Derby, and it happens like we came up with this idea because of the science fair poster that everybody's seen. Uh, a mom named Susan Messina did this in 2014. She made a what do they call it? Like a triptych, like your science fair board? It's called the, the trifold. Trifold. The trifold. Trifold, thank you. Which, by the way, back in my day. Back in my day. Old Deluxe Alert, you had to like make that. You couldn't just go buy a trifold at the store. I mean, I had to like walk uphill to school both ways and and sort of render three poster boards into a trifold. It was hard. Oh my God. If only we had like a sad violin <laughs> So Susan Messina, who is, by the way, a woman with three master's degrees, loves learning. And she says she did not actually bring this to school. Uh, She actually wrote about the poster and the reaction to it for Huffington Post. And I'll put it up on whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Anyway, her poster says, how much turmoil does the science project cause families? Materials, one kid, one grudging parent, half-baked idea of very dubious merit. And then she has a chart showing that the yelling and crying increases uh, as as time approaches due date. There's a sort of hockey stick uh, increase in yelling and crying. It's pretty much the perfect representation of, because it looks like a science fair project. Right. And it's just like, yeah, the science fair, we had a science fair project at our house. And It was a plant watering project, which, I mean, I think my son actually kind of enjoyed doing it, but the science fair is pretty much the pinnacle of this thing of like, it is going to involve 10% of work by the kid and 90% of the work by the parent. Yes. It's a danger zone. Yes. I want to do like a better then or better now on science fairs. Please. Did you you have science fairs when you were in school? I won the science fair, Amy. I won the science fair. All right. Let me tell you what my project was and let me find out what your project was. My project back in the day, I remember doing one called about Saturn. And I didn't like have a hypothesis that I researched and questioned. My project was Saturn. Explain Saturn. Uh, No offense, Amy. It doesn't sound like a big winner. 
It, it, the planet. Uh, well, it, yeah. I did win a prize, and you know why? Because I oh. got like mm. a styrofoam ball and like painted it and oh. and made like construction paper rings. You for made it. the rings. It was really an Very. art project. I mean, to be fair, it was an art project with some a couple pages that I copied in cursive from the World Book Encyclopedia. This is like I like that you leaned into your strengths. This is like a hundred old deluxe alerts and went back in my day. And, <laughs> and 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 like yeah, and the hardest part was getting the three posters to stand up, you know, in a on, on their own. That was my my science fair. It just was like here are some facts about Saturn and and, and an art project. And my parents didn't even consider helping me and I didn't expect them to but they were you know they were doing other stuff they were raising my many younger siblings and I remember that that some kids parents helped clearly I remember feeling a little bad that my stuff didn't look better but I was also pretty proud of my rings that I made I believe out of like paper clips and construction paper the rings of Saturn it sounds impressive you know I got like third place or something tell me about yours I did a project that I came up with on my own and I got Five, this is going to sound familiar. Spoiler alert. Five plants, and I watered them with different substances, like oily water, salt water, sugar water, regular water, that kind of, that was my project. And I won first place because they were like, it was an actual scientific experiment. Like it had a hypothesis. And then I tested the hypothesis, and then I showed my results. Like I was, I, they were like, this is, I mean, basically what the people told my mom is like, this was one of the only things that was actually a science experiment, you know, like it had a beginning, middle and an end. Maybe people have gotten better at that. But anyway, I told my kid about my winning science fair project. And he's like, I want to do the same science fair project. So that's what he did for the science fair. Now I have two more kids and I guess we're going to have to think of something else or maybe they'll all do the same science fair project. Did you, is, are we all supposed to be watering our plants with oily water? So oily water actually grew better. And I, my, I surmised that it was because like the oil coated the top and the water stayed in the soil better, but that probably wasn't true. I don't know. It was kind of random. You know, it wasn't exactly, we weren't working in a lab environment, Amy. I don't think I can fairly guarantee the results to any of our listeners at this juncture. I don't think oily water is a scientific term. I'd like to see some more specific. No, it was like vegetable oil for my (laughs) kitchen, but like I did it with my son. And one of the things we talked a lot about, and the nice thing about that project, everyone can steal the science for a project. It's a great science for a project. He could do it almost all by himself, but I still had to explain to him a lot of the thing of like, you have to make a big bottle of the substance you're going to water it with. Cause you don't want to mix it every night because then you don't know if what's changing is that you mixed it different, you know, like scientific method. And I think he kind of gleaned something from it and it was helpful, but it was basically me teaching him all the parts of it. I'm going to throw in a Wendy Wisner quote. She wrote about this for Scary Mommy about school projects. And she said, there's an aspect that we need to acknowledge, which is getting a young kid to accomplish anything with a deadline or a structure can be extremely frustrating. And then it just becomes easier to do it yourself. And then it's a, then it's a slippery slope. Like there was a kid in in my son's class who did a similar plant watering. He was using different kinds of fertilizer to make plants grow the best. And one, he forgot to water the plants. So they were all, you know, dying. But two, at the end, fertilizer A worked much better than fertilizer B or C. And guess what? What? This kid had forgotten to write down somewhere which fertilizer was fertilizer A. So he had no idea. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> So, you know, that's what happens when they don't have any help, right? And and it, it, it's all fine. The kid still, like, attends the school, but but that's they, they, they need a little support in these projects. 
Oh, more than a little support. And that's the part I will say. I mean, we set an alarm for a certain time every night to water the plants. And I had to stand. I tried really hard to keep the basic onus of the project on my son. But realistically, if I hadn't set alarms and lorded over him and reminded him about doing it, and this was a project he ended up enjoying, like the saltwater plant died and the other plants grew. Like it was, it's fun. You can really see, you know, your hypothesis coming to life. Everything about it was good. But if I had not just stood over him and constantly demanded that he do it on time every night and that he keep very, very specific notes. And I helped design the chart where he would chart it all. I mean, if I had just left him to his own devices, there would have been no sadder with a ring. It would have just been like, I don't know what it would have been, but it would have been a hot mess. Once the kids get to eighth grade, can I give you an eighth grade science fair project? Is of today? it scary? Because I'm frightened by that. Uh, this is my This was my eighth grader's Science fair project. Which materials and at which thicknesses can disrupt the magnetic field of a Sumerian cobalt magnet? Yeah, that, that's unfortunate. Um, it was like ordering special magnets in the mail, and and they were actually dangerous, which I didn't know until he opened the box. So it's like a super super strong magnet that we had to you know pay like forty bucks for and get it shipped from. Yeah, I forget where Latvia, somewhere crazy, and he opens it's like illegal the box. to use in the United right. States. Great. He, he opens the the box, and the magnet was he was wearing like sunglasses, oh, and because uh, and and because it was a sunny day, and and the magnet fully flew out of the box when he opened it to stick to like the little piece of metal like on the side of his sunglasses. Okay, Amy, this is not a science fair story. This is a superhero origin it story was- that you're telling right now. <laughs> Your son is now Magnet Man, and he's going to save the universe. And I was like, this is this is fully dangerous. <laughs> fully dangerous. It's not partly dangerous. This is fully, fully dangerous. dangerous. And so the, that, that wasn't a Sumerian cobalt magnet, just so, just so you all know. <laughs> Use oily water to water your plants, and Sumerian cobalt magnets are totally copacetic. You can have them in your home, because that's what we had to go oh. to in this one. But But- and to support that, he had to do a hundred index cards. Like his teacher is, is been, has been teaching for a long time, and his teacher is very old school. So we had to do a hundred index cards and cite like a certain number of sources. And some of them had to be paper; they couldn't all be Wikipedia. And use proper MLA citation. He's thirteen years old. There is no way. These are the things that sort of like get me because I know, like on the one hand, like oh, stop it, helicopter mom! You, you know, stop doing your kid's project for them, like. My kid doesn't know how to do MLA citation and create a bibliography no. without a lot of adult yeah. supervision. And even then there was tears. Gosh, I don't remember anything about how to create a bibliography. I'm going to have to come to your house when my <laughs> kids are in eighth grade because I do not remember how to do a bibliography at all. There's a there's a website. There's a lot of like colons and semicolons, right? Well, not to these days. Like yes. Italics there's a, and Latin. There's a website you can go to that you like type in the URL or whatever, and then it just like spits it back out in MLA form. Oh. So there's... I mean, what, what is the point of that? But I know. Okay. I know. Um, And... and so, that's where I kind of come down on this, like the actual issue of this is sort of saying like, well, figure it out yourself and I'm going to opt out was not an option for this kid. But but doing the whole thing for him isn't isn't the right answer either. So like, what's the right amount to help? And how do you how do you walk the line and not have tears and yelling? Okay, that's our question Mm -hmm. for our next segment Mm -hmm. when we're right back. 
Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, before we move on to our question, which we've established, how do you help and how much? I have to also point out one other thing about a lot of these projects, which is as you mentioned, like you're having like $40 magnets shipped from like Eastern, you know, Uzbekistan where they still manufacture them or whatever. Another issue for a lot of parents around these projects is that they are expensive. Yes. And like spending money on them makes them better. And that's a dynamic that I think the schools have to be really, really aware of. Yeah. It's problematic. Yeah. Like if you have the like super sander and glosser and stuff, your Pinewood Derby is going to be better. And if you have a dad in the house who has a ton of free time, your Pinewood Derby card's going to be better. And like those issues are difficult and nothing's ever equal. But if it becomes like a rich aristocracy as opposed to a meritocracy, it, it just becomes kind of yucky. Susan Messina in, in her article, she's the one who did the science fair poster that went viral. She, you know, she said something like that, that, that it, that these, privileged students from higher income families get an edge. But she also made the point that it doesn't take into account what happens when a kid has a parent at home who can't help for some reason, right? There's like, there's a lot of reasons. And there's a million reasons, right. a million reasons. Right. I mean, if my husband wasn't here, my kids would be hosed on like 86 <laughs> different ways because 
I mean, I would just have to be like, well, unfortunately, we cannot participate in the Pinewood Derby unless you just want to send like throw a block of wood down the ramp because that's all you're getting out of me. I feel like I need to give a shout out to my school right now because we did have to do like Sumerian Cobalt Magnet Science Fair, but they are moving and I'm seeing the difference between my oldest kid and my youngest kid. They are moving all of these projects, including the science fair, to be done completely at school with school art That's materials great. and done at school. And yeah, and you have it's 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 great if your school will do that. And it's probably a takeaway to suggest that at your next PA meeting if it's not already the case. But but if you can't make it happen, it's it's an issue. Because fundamentally, you're back at the meritocracy then. It's like, okay, what's your idea? How do you execute it? Here are the common materials. It's not just, I mean, I really saw that in our science fair. It's like some people spent $250 on their kid's science fair project. And some people, you know, I mean, even I went out and bought whatever, $50 worth of plants. You know, that's that's a big expense for some families. And it, it just, it shouldn't really be about how much money you happen to be able to spend on the project. I have a study for you. Please, Amy, bring me a study. <laughs> Just for it's change. study time. I can't believe we're like all, we're well into the second <laughs> segment and this is your first study. Is, I mean, what, what's gone wrong? Our, we're off brand today. Get ready to get your mind blown. I'm ready. Okay. So a lot of like, like No Child Left Behind and I think the next thing was called Race to the Top. You know, like there's, it's been a priority in this country to get parental involvement for kids. And they sort of underlined it as the key to success. Like, come on, parents, you know, read to your kids and look at their homework and that that right. kids who had, have that have more success. That's sort of more generalized than the science fair. But the idea is the same. Like, parents have to help. And the more parents help, the better kids will do. So these two doctors, Keith Robinson and Angel Harris, decided to track parents and kids over 10, 20 years. And they measured 63 measures of parental participation in kids' lives. Everything from like checking their report cards to how much they volunteered at school to how much they helped with homework. And then they also compared those surveys of what, what the parents were reporting, how much they helped with the kids' test scores. They found and they found that most forms of parental involvement seem to yield no academic dividends for kids at all. And when there was a relation between parental involvement and childhood achievement, it was negative. The more parents were involved, the less well the kids did. That wasn't true across mm. the board. But when there was any relationship, it was a negative one. I like it. I mean, this blew my mind. So this book is called Broken Compass. I haven't read the book. I have read the study. So, I mean, if you want to hear Close more about enough. that, I'll put the link up on our show page. But isn't that fascinating? I did sort of... I think that's why this stuff gets to me because it's like, I'm not supposed to help, but I have to help. And and my kid's going to do better if I help. And here that that whole idea is maybe not true, that kids do better with parental help than without. Well, and it's also like, you have to remember, it's like microcosm, macrocosm, right? Like small picture, big picture. And overall, helping your kid, like doing the science fair project for your kid will result in a better outcome at the right, science fair. Right, it's going fair. to. Like, like, right. it's going and, to. And the Pinewood Derby. And the Pinewood Derby. Like, they're going to win the Pinewood Derby. Like, uh, the battles, you're going to win. But, like, are you going to win the war? Probably not when you have a kid who, like, cannot function on their own and can't figure things out for themselves. That seems pretty, that seems to make a lot of sense to me. 
but let's talk about like the early kid stuff. Like let's go back to the young things. My my sister just did a I just said my sister did, and yes, I did. Uh, she did a shoebox diorama with her kindergartner oh, for kindergarten. Yes. And again, it's like yes. they're adorable, but it's sort of a weird, like, why are we pretending that four and five-year-olds can take can a shoebox shoe into an art project about a book without their parent basically holding the marker for them? Right? They Yeah, they can't. They can't. So he did Charlotte's Web. I'm going to put this picture up on social media if she lets me because it's a uh, adorable. So they did Charlotte's Web and they made a barnyard and he wrote some pig. And the, the one good thing is that a, a five-year-old has very spidery handwriting. And so he, oh, he good point. Some accidental pig. parallel. Yeah. I like some it. Some pig yeah. and, and, and with like a with like a web around it and, you know, kind of hung it from the corner. And then, but, you know, he wasn't going to like go to the store and buy the fake hay and, you know, print out the picture of a goose. And, and so he she let him direct. These are the characters that I really think should be in this diorama. But I mean, she's the one gluing popsicle sticks to the side to make it look like a fence. It, you know, it, it's and, and why are we pretending? I'm going to go back. Wendy Wendy Wisner had a quote about this on her, in her Scary Mommy article. She 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 helped her kid with it, and she walks in and she says, "Walking into the pre-K classroom felt like we were walking into some type of exhibit that showcased the talents of parents posing as preschoolers." Right? That there's this sort of. I have a story for you. Okay, give me a story. When my kid was five, he was in kindergarten. We lived in Los Angeles. And the kindergarten was a full day, which I had wanted him to go to half day. And he was and is a kid who struggled and struggles with being still in school all day. Like the, the, he's just, that's his battle to fight. Like sitting at a desk and learning all day, not his forte. He has many fortes, but that's not one of them. And so this kindergarten class every week would have some insanely elaborate project, like make a chef's hat and decorate it with all of your favorite foods and write your name on it. Paper construction, no, no instructions, just like make this thing and make the diorama and make a clay model of your favorite activity. I mean, it was unrelenting how many of these projects and about two weeks in, after my very active five-year-old would come home from seven hours in kindergarten and be just like completely fried, melted, and shot out of a cannon at the same time, <laughs> we would like get on a bike and run around. We would go chase each other around the yard. And I was like, I'm not going to sit there and make a chef's hat. You know, like this is not what my kid needs to then sit at a desk with me for an hour while I basically construct a project for him. So I just opted out and I sent a note to the teacher and she called me in for a meeting and she was basically like, then you would get back to school and they would apparently devote like an hour to this project of like, let's everyone see your chef's hat and my kid wouldn't have one and he would be upset. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I was kind of proud of myself for opting out and being like, I know that what's better for my kid is not doing these dopey projects. But the whole thing was set up. It was like such a lose-lose. Like, it's really not fair to send a kid in and be like, we opted out of the diorama. So now you're going to sit there for three hours and watch all the kids explain their diorama and you don't have one. Like, Right. With your little cheeks burning with hot shame that you're the only one yes, who doesn't have it. Right. And but, but I really felt that I was correct in my like kids. Like a, a kindergartner does not need 
an hour worth of homework every single night. And this also is like the worksheets, everything else. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right, but you don't want to hurt your kid by like making a point of not doing it. It's a, t- it's, that's a tough one. So what, when ended up happening? You know what? I just started making them myself and sending them in with him. I did. I was like, this is what's right for my kid. I would let him like, if it was favorite foods on a chef hat, I would like make the chef hat, let him write his name on it. And I'd be like, name three of your favorite foods. And I would cut things out of magazines and I just, I kind of made them look like a five-year-old did them, but I did them myself. <laughs> they should have like special scissors and like a special font yeah. for that, right? You can always like a parent that trying to look away. like a five-year-old. Literally, I would like write things with my left hand so it looked like a kid did it. Appropriately spidery. Wait, I yeah. I hate to do a deep dive on this, but was it like uh, like you had to create a 3D? Sh- like I'm picturing a chef's hat, like it just was a cut it out of paper. It was. Yeah, like a, like a chef's hat out of paper, you know? I mean, they weren't so onerous, but they were just, each one would take like an hour. And I just was like, I don't want to spend an hour sitting with my kid who, and he was anxious and the whole thing, it just was not a good fit for him. I think that one takeaway is that when you can opt out, you should do so, you know, when you can do so without making your kid feel bad about herself. Can I give you an example from me? Yes. They sent our kids home from school. This is several years ago now. They sent my kids home from school and they go to the same school. So they each got them an envelope with a bunch of little pieces of origami paper inside, you know, the squares. Oh, yes. You've mentioned this before. The origami. The origami. And they were going to, they were reading the book 1000 Cranes, which is a great childhood book about you fold a thousand cranes to sort of wish life and health to somebody. And it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like keeping the devil from your door if you can fold 1,000 cranes out of origami. But the point of the book is that's an incredibly onerous and, and difficult undertaking for a Japanese what if girl. Your mom, what if your mom can fold 1,000 <laughs> right. cranes? So, does that do anything so the, for anybody? The story does start with like a society where people know how to make cranes or to, out of origami. And it's still like, can you believe right. she made 1,000? So the school was like, let's make 1,000 <laughs> origami cranes as a school community. And, you know, if we each do five or what, you know, whatever it was. Right. So here's... Here's some paper. And you're like, I, I opt I opt to do nothing. Uh, yeah, they sent my kids home with paper. And my youngest one was, you know, definitely not in kindergarten yet. Paper and instructions. And I mean like a 32-step thing. And here, here's, a, here's the real spoiler alert. I once knew how to do an origami crane because I was once in a play, like a children's theater play about this story yes, where I had, had to, to sit on them. stage and fold a crane. And I could do it like within like a song, you know, like there was a song about watch her fold the cranes and I would fold the crane and finish it by the end of the oh song. My. That's an odd But I was paid to do this and I did it, you know, 200 times over the course of a year. So I, and, and that knowledge that I once knew how to do that and how hard it was to learn to do it, I knew as soon as I looked at this thing. You were like, no, I'm not doing we're not. This. We're opting out. And that's very un-Amy. Like that's very un- No, very un-you to opt out. And unfortunately, Amy- the bad news is now you've brought down the curse of the crane onto your household by not folding your cranes. Well, this one was... And someday you're going to be attacked by a giant <laughs> crane and you're going to be like, oh man, I should have seen this coming. This one was easy because it was like, we're going to bring them in we're all going to hang them on, you know, in the lobby and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And I could tell, like this is a school-wide project. I could tell that... Right. You're like, you're going to have plenty of cranes. Well, yeah, I thought they're going to have plenty of cranes and nobody will be able to tell that it was my kid. And then of course, when I got to school, like there were no cranes. Like every parent had been like, we're not teaching ourselves how to do origami over winter week. When that school gets attacked by a flock of giant cranes, you're going to be like, oh, we should have folded our cranes. I suffer in my life from not not always being able to tell, you know, which things count for half of your final grade and which things you can totally blow off in in my life. I'm not good at discerning that. But this was one 
So if it's a sniff this wide, let's all, you know, design t-shirts that do this. Let's all let's all bail. Let's all have like bad superhero weird hat day at day camp. Like you can you can skip some of that stuff. Yeah, you can, but it's it's a question of which you can and which you can't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think we know what the problems are. We've identified them. We've talked it through. And we are going to come back with some solutions, Amy. It's solution time. Solution time. And now, the What Fresh Hell podcast presents pretty much every letter you get home regarding your kids' school projects ever. Dear parents. Great news. It's time for one of our favorite take-home activities of the year, the class Imagine Your Own Country Project. Remember, this is meant to be a hands-on learning experience for your children, and there should be minimal parental involvement. Each student must create a full 3D relief map of their country that includes 10 separate landforms rendered realistically. Sand on the beach, water in the lakes, etc. Don't forget to work to scale. And it goes without saying that a map key must be included. Are you finding this hard to picture? Don't worry. We've included some of our outstanding country projects from past years. Isn't it amazing how they look like they were crafted by a team of expertly skilled graphic designers and or people with advanced cartography and architecture degrees? Yours should look exactly like this. Whether or not your child has any artistic abilities or ideas about scale construction. Oh, check out this project from two years ago. Aren't the made-to-scale skyscrapers made from polymer clay just amazing? Right now, you're probably thinking, But wait, I don't have a polymer kiln in my house capable of firing at 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, I guess you'll just have to figure it out, won't you, Mom? Our expectations for this project are simple. You should have to make the impossible choice between letting your kid do this themselves and ending up with a hot mess that looks nothing like the examples. Or you and your spouse can make this thing for them. We sure hope at least one of you has a home art studio or wood shop to utilize. But the most important part of this project is... Have fun. Please note, this is mostly directed towards those who think listening to children complain and receiving hot glue gun burns is fun. That may not be you. Don't forget, the economy of your island should be calculated using YOY numbers and accounting for fluctuations in the consumer price index. Your fifth grader knows how to do that, right? This has been pretty much every letter you get home regarding your kids' school projects ever from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Okay, projects, Amy. I have already discussed my attempt to opt out that went horribly wrong and resulted in me making dioramas at one o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You've got to watch the opting out because, you know, it is the thing of like my mistake too, is I will say very early on, I got into a fairly hostile relationship with my kid's kindergarten teacher. Oh boy. Because, you know, I got the sense early on that she wasn't a big fan. I didn't like the way the school was set up. My kid was a difficult kindergartner, and she was not somebody who wanted a difficult kindergartner in her class. And so we just went straight to hostel. And then this whole thing of me trying to opt out was like me trying to like dominate her with my better ideas and my will. That's how she saw Mm -hmm. it. And I just saw it as like, you are a really bad teacher, and I don't like you as a person. And so that dynamic was bad. And I should have... I've learned a lot. Now my kid is in fifth grade and he's a little less difficult and the projects are a little bit more age appropriate. But if I had to do it over again, I would have gone in and had a conference and said, listen, we're spending way too much time at home sitting in tears because he wants to be out playing and not sitting at a desk anymore. He's already sat at a desk for seven hours. Like this is the problem. How can we solve it? Can we rank some of these projects? Like there's a top level project, a mid-level project, and a doesn't matter project. You know, I'm willing to do two a month, but I'm not willing to do two a week, you know, and sit down and try to solve the problem with the teacher. I think most teachers would have been open to that. And that's what I should have done. I think, yeah, I've had great success over the years with going to a teacher and saying, so we had a lot of tears at home about this and a lot of upset and and no teacher is you know, thinking like, wow, everybody's crying tonight on the Upper West Side because I gave them like, <laughs> I mean, some teachers are, but probably not. They're that just many. in storybooks. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, if you come at it like this is making my kids very stressed and unhappy and I think make it not about chef's hats are dumb and why are you making anybody do this and make yeah, it more that was about- a miscal. It was a miscalculation <laughs> on my part. I went straight to chef's hats are dumb and so are you. And it didn't foster understanding and love between us. Yeah. So you can make it about, you make it about your kid and the emotional health. Like the, I've had great success in, in the past with paring down a project to a manageable level or getting a little extra time or, or what, whatever. When, when a teacher knows your kid is really struggling, it's not from indifference about the chef's hat project. It's about their deep, deep need for it to be the most beautiful thing anyone has ever seen from a five-year-old's point of view. Or their deep, deep need to run around in the backyard and not spend an hour and a half on a show. That's set. a good point. That, that, that's your preference. That's a good point. And, and kids struggle in different ways. And like for some kids, it is the struggle of like 
you know, it, it's just too anxiety producing to do big projects. Whatever the struggle is, just talk it out and there's probably a middle ground you can find. Can I give you a little bit of a middle ground with my older kid, another another example that where it was you like can. how to help and I, this is when I think I got right. So my middle guy wanted to do a science project, science fair project on ants. And okay. again, through the mail, kind of expensive. By now, by now, the school is letting the kids do this stuff at school. Unfortunately, the ants were delayed by a snowstorm and arrived at oh. the school while it was closed for a week for spring break. Oh, so with poor teacher, ants. We, we're not going to talk about those ants. Those ants officially don't don't officially exist. And I thought the cranes were after you, but the ants. Wow, you have a lot of enemies. Now I'm in saying the out loud, kingdom. yeah, that we let ants like like die in the in the in the mailroom. So we had to order more ants, and now oh, we're behind schedule. So could I please? The teacher was like, "Do you mind?" Because now we're, he's several weeks behind schedule. Can can you do the ants at home? Yes, we can. So he brings his ants home. And we had found this project on Science Fair Buddies, which if you need sciencefairbuddies.com, if you need to figure out science fair projects for your kids, it's a great resource. And you just have to like, you know, just change them 5% and you have a new project. But this one didn't work like it was supposed to. We were supposed to put ants in one like bottle and food in another. And then in the tube connecting them, put cinnamon or lemon juice or things like that and see like which one did the best deterring the ants from going through the tube to get the food. Okay. And you do that by counting how many times they go through the tube. Well, guess what? It totally didn't work. The ants couldn't get through the tube. Like nothing was happening. Project fell apart. He's having a complete panic attack because like the, the science fair is like next week now. And his pro once we finally got the ants, the project isn't working. I knew that this was a moment that I had to support him, but I couldn't take over. And I honestly, I didn't really know the answer. This is probably how I how how I did the right thing in this case because I didn't know what the right answer was either. So I just sat. You're there. not a you're not an ant I'm not expert. an antitologist. So I interesting. So I sat with them. I mean, clearly, you've murdered like a thousand ants. At this <laughs> I hate point animals. Um. So, so I mean, I just kind of sat with them. I just sat with them in the discomfort until he figured out a new solution. We basically took like a like dish pan, you know, like you like you put like clean dishes in this kind of deep, and we put the lemon juice or the cinnamon across the middle and put the food on one side and we and put the ants in there and watched how many times the ants marched back and forth across the line. Okay. And it I worked. Like it. And I and, and of course I had to go get them the big deep, you know, dish and like he's like, what if I had like a box I could put it in? And I, I I enabled it by going out and buying the thing so he could do it, but I didn't do it for him. <laughs> you're like a, you're like at least a grand in on these uh, yes. science fair projects. And I didn't any. and I didn't carry the ants back and forth across the line and you won't be able to afford data. college, but your kids will have passed the science fair. I have an important takeaway at this juncture. Do not involve insects in your science fair wow. projects. My brother did one with fruit flies once, and it was like, it, it ruined our lives for a year, basically. <laughs> fruit flies. Do not, I understand the temptation. It's like, oh, it's a living thing. Don't do it, people. Yeah. Run away yeah. from the science fair involving living you things. You might win a prize, but it's, uh, but at what cost? Oh, a big cost. A very big, especially to the insects. I would just stay away from that. So- balance, right? So you're saying like, do, you didn't fix the project, but you were willing to like sit with him. And then as he sort of came up with solutions, you facilitated the solutions. I facilitated the solutions, but they're come up with by him. And then he, yeah. And then, then he and the ants still did all the work, right? Like I had a fun. That's a very, that's a good model. And one of the other things that we've talked about in other contexts, I found with my kid, 
setting him up for success and then letting him do it. I mean, basically I came up with the idea, although it was a little more organic than that because I had talked earlier about my science fair. And basically once I said it won, my kid was like, I want to do that one because <laughs> he thought he was going to win. <laughs> they don't have winners in the science fair, of course, anymore. But then I let him figure out all the elements, but I did go get the plants with him and I did help him. You know, we sat together and I helped him figure out like, pour big bottles of the solution. So you're always measuring with the same thing. Keep records of how much is in each. Like, and I, I tried to say like, why is that important? And sometimes he had no idea. And I'm like, well, if you mix it every night, you don't know if it's the same this way. You always know it's the same thing. Like I tried to help him learn while we were doing it and then setting up alarms and setting up charts. And then every night he could do all the actions without me, but he had to follow the charts. And then when we were away, like I had to arrange for whoever was checking out our cat to also water the plants. <laughs> I mean, there's not, there's no way this is basically going to involve you not being involved at all. But another aspect of that that I want to highlight is it's another time to talk to the teacher about expectations. Yep. Hey, what are these science projects going to look like? I've seen a lot of science projects that look like they were done by like graduate level engineers and what's the deal? Like, what are these science projects actually supposed to look like? Can I give you Susan Messina's uh, ideas for how to make a, a science fair better? She's the, she's the person with the science fair poster. That's that a very viral. good idea. These are good. Yes. These are her ideas for how to fix the science fair problem. She says that we should recast it as an elective and non-competitive family project. You said before, of course, they don't give out prizes for the science fair. No, they still do at a lot of places. Oh, our school. So that's any, our school. That's part of the problem. My kid's school more gives like a, a like a class of of honors and a class of honorable mentions, and okay. I don't think there's trophies. And I will speak in defense of the science fair, which is that the night where all the kids go and the kids explain their projects to each other is really Love fun. It. And I think it's like they're proud of it. They've learned something. They've gleaned something from it. I, I'm not all anti science, right? Fair. No, there's there's ways to fix it. So you make it maybe non competitive. She says we should get rid of the sham that the kids are doing their projects by themselves, get rid of what she calls the stupid competition aspect so we don't have kids or, let's be clear, parents competing to see who does the coolest project or spiffiest board. Right. I think she's right. I mean, I don't really want to do a family science fair, but that's that's better than – and like I said, my school's fixed this already. I mean, the best takeaway is like do it at school. The more these projects can happen at school instead of at home – the less this stress and competition comes into play. I've never heard of that before, but that's a great idea. I understand why that's a huge, like, onerous thing. Like the on teacher, the right. Yeah, that's a lot for, like, the science teacher to have to manage, but that does seem like the best and it's solution. Also, because yeah, it's, and, like, the kids then, no, the, in, like you were saying, like, nobody had the, like, nicer markers than the other one or that the, they, they all have. And for the older kids, they actually say, like, your title has to be in 18 point career or whatever it is, like they, they really specify what the board can look like and they print it out at school. So there's no glitter letters and there's no like volcano that you got from stuff at Michael's. You can't, you can't jazz it up. Your presentation is your presentation. It's not about puffy letters. It's not about the paint. Yeah. 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 And I will say also, remember that some of these projects test skills that your child fundamentally may not have. And so that's fine. Right. It's not really about winning the science fair. 
It's like, can you glean or learn something from it? And what your kid may learn from it is like, oops, I forgot to write down the fundamental part. And so my science fair project kind of bombed. Like maybe going forward, I need to real, I need to organize my projects better from day one. Like, or, you know, my kid who is totally scatterbrained, like, mm, I forgot to water my plants and they died. Like that might be the takeaway. Like, I just think watch when these things test very specific skills. It's okay to be like, my kid's good at a lot of things, but he's not good at the skills that this happens to test. Right. Or in my case of like the kids with the hundred no cards, I didn't, I was okay with, I wasn't going to call the school and say, hey, this shouldn't exist anymore because I think kids should, by the time they're 13 or 14, know how to read an article and you know they, they should eventually know how to do that for high school and college. They can't do that without parental help. But I was willing to help in that case. Like, I'm not going to fight the school on this shouldn't happen, but I'm also not going to have my kid crying at home that they can't figure this out. Just help. That's such a good point because I feel like that was the mistake I made when my big guy was in kindergarten. Like, I kind of was like, this is unrealistic to ask kids to do this when they're already struggling and miserable when they get home to start these arts and crafts projects. And it's ridiculous. And we're not going to participate in it because it's ridiculous. And then I've learned going through life, like, oh, there's a lot of kids who love that. There's a lot of like kids who love to come home and do an arts and crafts project for two hours. My daughter's like that. And so I was sort of like, everyone needs to accommodate my kid who's not good at this by getting rid of these stupid projects. And that was kind of a wrong point of view. Like, no one needs to accommodate my kid. I need to help my kid either say, we're going to change the accommodation for you, or you're going to do badly at this, but it's not really a test of who you are. It's just a test of how well kids do this, and this is not your strength. And I guess at the very, very base level, we just have to make sure that our ego is not involved in the... Oh, right? very Don't hard. participate very when it's hard. about you wanting your kid to have the cutest shoebox. And walk your kids verbally through the process. Like, hey, here's the thing. Would you rather make your car all on your own and feel the independence of figuring it all out by yourself, knowing that your car is less likely to win? Or would you rather have dad almost take this project over for you? Much more chance you're going to have a winning car but realistically, you didn't really have that much to do with it. So if you win, it's not really a victory for you. It's okay to have those like out loud conversations. That's a, that's a really great and idea. And your kid may be like, uh, I want to win. Win at all costs. Like, okay, well, then dad will make the car. Just make sure to give dad the prize, <laughs> you know, because he made it. <laughs> I think you solved it. Oh, we solved it. Man, have I not solved it at my house because that Pinewood Derby is in two weeks and we haven't even started on our car. Will you please do like a time lapse of, oh, God. of the 17 hours of construction? I can try to. Yeah. I mean, it's always a disaster. And it also like the worst part about it is it becomes a huge fight between me and my husband because I'm like, start them early, start them early. And it's always, I mean, literally there was one year where... <laughs> He was like brought a saw with him and he was like sawing holes in the car at the Pinewood Derby start line. It was a hot mess. <laughs> and let me tell you, I had some words with him that might have involved the words, I told you so. <laughs> it was not our better day in marriage. But other than that, we basically have solved it. We know what we're going to do going forward. We're going to support our kids. We're going to interact with the people who assign the projects and we're all going to be happy going forward. Amy, and we're right? going to opt out when that's possible to do without shaming your kid. Gosh, definitely opt out. And we're going to help if it's not. Out. Guys, we want to hear what projects are tormenting you at home. And you can do that by coming to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash what fresh hell cast, or joining our Facebook group where we have awesome discussions about 
all things parenting. You can also find us on Instagram at What Fresh Hell Cast. Let's put up some pictures of some school projects. Oh, yeah. Let's see those school projects. We're also Mm -hmm. on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And I'll put up the links to our notes from today, including this incredible study from the uh, Broken Compass book on our website, which is whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Guys, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking